As an engineering leader, you know firsthand that achieving work-life balance can be hard. Many business owners struggle with the balance between their personal lives and their work. This leads to stress and a feeling of regret. But that's not the case for the listeners of the Engineer Your Success podcast with Dr. James Bryant. This podcast provides tools, tips, and techniques to help you achieve success both in business and in life. Tune in. Let's engineer your success today. I want to welcome you to the Engineer Your Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. James Bryant, and it is my pleasure to have a very special guest for today's show. We have Mr. Chaz Weaver. Chaz, how are you doing today? Great, James. Thanks for having me. No, that's great, Chaz. Can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? We're going to include a link to your LinkedIn profile or wherever you want people to go to to find out more about you. But just briefly, just tell the people a little bit about yourself. Uh, I'm the district materials engineer for VDOT in the Stanton district, the western section of the district, if you're familiar with it, with page one going right smack dab in the middle of it. VDOT for, I looked it up the other day, 20, 20 couple of years. Oh, wow. To say I'm a lifer. <laughs> so for those of you that are not familiar with that, VDOT is the Virginia Department of Transportation. And he's talking about a different part of the state where I-81 is, where there's a whole bunch of truck traffic that goes <laughs> through there. That is the area that he works. So Chaz, again, you say you've been with VDOT for about 20, a little 20 plus years. You're a lifer. Can you tell the audience a little bit about your journey in becoming an engineer. What got you interested in engineering in the first place? I think really it's kind of a boring story. I was good at math. Of course, that's kind of how every engineer story starts. And your guidance counselor said, what about engineering? Looked into it. And I really wanted to work on big projects, large, heavy civil projects. So that's when I decided to look into civil engineering, I went to Virginia Tech, got my BS in civil engineering. And then when I started looking for jobs, VDOT was one of the higher on the list because of their range in Virginia. If you work at VDOT, you can work anywhere in Virginia. Mm-hmm. And other DOTs, not that different, but I'm from Virginia. And larger projects, like you said, 81, things like that. What made you focus in on materials? That was the position that was open. Like I said, it was a pretty boring story, but I went into what we call the engineer trainee program mm-hmm. at the time. Now it's the edge program. We have better words like associate than trainee. <laughs> Started in Northern Virginia district, but what really, I guess, made me like materials was the, I guess, the inclusion in everything. You're in what we call preliminary engineering. So when you're scoping the project, mm-hmm. when you're developing plans, specifications, the geotechnical design, pavement design, all that early stuff, but you're also involved in the materials that go into the work. So you're involved in construction on the back end. So and then even in maintenance. So there's not really anything. If you do something in VDOT, you're using materials. So we're involved in a lot of different things, work with a lot of different people. So Chaz, what are some of the more interesting stories that you may have early on in your career? So, okay, you're finishing up you graduate, you, you join VDI, you're in the trainee program, you're going across the state doing different things. Give our audience an interesting story from that time period. Oh boy, interesting engineering stories. <laughs> Putting people to sleep early on, I'm trying to think, when you're a trainee, you do a lot of, they shift you around at different sections, doing a lot of different things. I can't 
more than that. But I don't know that it's that funding. We were, um, I was working on a project out of West Point. That's where the math and I moved rivers come together. It's out east of Richmond. And I'm kind of like the new guy. Doesn't know anything. They just put people in there to oversee everything, observe the guys putting in uh, geotechnical instrumentation. So those guys have been working in the field. They know what they're doing. They're just out there doing the job. I remember, I think it was a piezometer installation or something. And uh, it's hot. It's muggy. It, like I said, you're down there <laughs> in a swamp next to a river. Yeah. And the guy's got, he's got to get up on a ladder to do, to put the piezometer in, in the pipe and everything. So he's got a, he's got a ladder and he's just, Complaining about having to wear his hard hat and whatever. And it's like, you're the new guy. You're like, hey, rules are rules. Somebody drives by or whatever. And about 10 minutes later, he forgot his hammer on top of the ladder. He moves the ladder to go to the next place. It comes down, hits him on his helmet. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm here Rules for. are there for a reason, right? Yeah, I'm looking out for you. Aren't it? Yeah, but that's an interesting kind of story because there are sometimes when there are certain precautions that we may be advised to take. We don't want to take them. We're like, I don't need this. This is cumbersome. But those things can be the very thing that help you survive that actual experience. Because had he not had his helmet on, that would have been a very interesting day for you as the trainee being seeing what that the outcome of that would have been. Yeah, I mean, it would have hurt, no doubt. Like I said, with the term trainee, get a lot of that feedback. Like, oh, you're just a trainee. Why don't you give it a couple of years for something? We try and get as many associates, engineering interns, engineering scholars that we can during the summers. And especially I think <laughs> since I've gotten older, really appreciate that they bring something different to the table. They know stuff that you don't know. Not to date myself too much, basis, GIS, a lot of this the newer big data stuff. It's like, oh, you know how to do well. Yeah, I have a job for you. That's cool. Yeah. At Banowitz Marketing, we succeed when you succeed. Build a thriving family business with great marketing that actually works. How? Start with comprehensive marketing direction and a clear action plan. Then get attentive expert help and choose whether that help comes as done for you services or as done with you guidance. Visit us at thrivingfamilybusiness.com to get started today. So it's being able to leverage what the younger generation, what they're good at, what they know, and being open and curious in learning from that experience and inviting them in to make a contribution, not just be told something. Yeah, I think my experience and a lot of others back then was if the manager or whatever section you're with is too big, we're always busy, but the, they'll get the, the summons, hey, you're going to train this guy for the next month. Some people will literally give you the spec book, sit you in a corner and say, read that. I don't have time to do this right now, but you read this manual. And on one hand, you've got to have your own motivation. You've got to take your own initiative to, to learn what you need to learn and get out of it what you can. But it's also a lost opportunity for that manager. We've put people on some pretty, I think, exciting projects, many projects that we don't have time to do ourselves, but say with your, with your skills and abilities, I think you can do this. And they do that for the whole summer, as opposed to the other trainees measuring curb and gutter and things like that. They yeah. get to do a real hands-on project that they can put on their resume or use for a class later or whatever. So I think that it, that's key in terms of looking at the evolution of the program and how different people approach that program, you have the trainee 
who does have apps or I forget, what do you call them? Associate. I think they're that, junior associates now. Yeah. The, the engineering associates that have the responsibility to, of their own career, right? They have to have some get up and go to come and learn and to move things forward. But there's also a responsibility that those managers actually have. And it's as you're moving from an individual contributor into a leader or management position, and you're responsible for cultivating the development of people that are around you and, are, and that are working for you, that's a huge responsibility. And not all managers are prepared to actually do that. What typically happens is that you're good at a technical area, you're a good engineer. The next ring rung in terms of the promotion is for you to become a manager. You become a manager, you may do some management training. They tell you all of the administrative things that you need to work through. But then there's also this other piece where you have to coach and manage and lead people. Yeah. And I think that's an important part, not just the management with budgets, performance evaluation, all that stuff, but just communicate. You've got all sorts of different clients, whether it's, like I said, construction, preliminary engineering the contractor, the industry consultant. So you need to be able, yeah, that's great that you're a technical expert, but not everybody speaks that language. So it's good practice and it's good training for the manager too, to be able to explain if you can't, you don't really grasp that concept if you can't explain it to somebody. Yeah. And what I say is that there's engineers, we get kind of a bad rap. People say that engineers can't communicate. And I always come back and say, that's not true. Engineers are great communicators to other engineers that are in their specialty area. It's when you have to communicate some of those complex concepts that you understand as a course of doing business every day to somebody that's not doing it every day becomes kind of the roadblock or the challenge. Yeah, definitely. I mean, having, I guess, empathy and understanding of the other person's position in this case, a trainee or associate engineer, mm -hmm. and it could be a contract, it could be networking, getting to know those people, what they're not just knowledgeable of, but what are their motivations? I can talk yeah. to you about the settlement of an embankment, but if you're a contractor, he's just worried about schedule. How long is this yeah. going to take? What can I do to speed this up? No, I think that's great. Being able to show empathy, being able to connect with people where they are. And what I'm understanding from what you're saying it is part of that is understanding what's in it for them. Like you're saying, if you're talking to the contractor, you can talk through the technical stuff, but he's thinking about schedule. He's thinking about cost and I have to be able to do this. How can I speed this up? And I think it is wise to be able to have that perspective or at least have that in mind when you're communicating with that individual, because you understand kind of what's motivating them and what in the context of the conversation that they're having. Yeah, for me, knowing a little bit what the motivations are for the different sections, there's no sense in me doing a geotechnical design or something this way if I know environmental is not going to like that. Mm -hmm. Having at least a rudimentary understanding what they're after helps me kind of fine-tune, optimize my designs too. I want to invite you to the next UnWebinar. What is an UnWebinar? It's no slides. No sales pitch, just added value. These are small group discussions that are designed to really be two-way conversations between you and myself. 
where you can get insight and advice on the issues that you're dealing with today. The overall goal is to equip you with what you need so that you can win at work and at home. Understand you do not have to do it alone. Sign up for the next UnWebinar today. And see, to me, Chaz, this is one of the reasons why I talk about the concepts that we approach on the Engineer Your Success podcast is to help you achieve success both in business and in life because the same concept of communication that you're taking through when you're saying the different sections, the different pieces that are within VDOT that you're working with is the same care and the same approach that we would take for different people that we interact with on a day-to-day basis in terms of how we actually communicate with them. One of the things that I always like to joke about is that everything I needed to learn about communication in business and in life, I learned in the first three years of marriage because my lovely wife and I communicate totally differently. And it took some time for me to be able to adapt and understand how to best communicate to her. And it took her time to how to best communicate with me. And kind of the way that I say that is that I had to learn how to package what it was I was saying in a way that she could receive it and figure out like what to do with it. Whereas before I would communicate with a way that was comfortable for me, very similar. You could communicate a design that's comfortable for you. This is how we do it. But if it's not packaged in a way that it is going to show empathy, it's going to show that you understand what that other person may be considering or going through, it may not be well-received. Or, and you probably had the same conversation. It takes a little while to figure out how to communicate perfectly when the light bulb comes off you're like oh you're this is what i'm doing wrong it was me and she's like yes that's what i've been saying (laughs) (laughs) but part of it it's understanding people and where they are and being curious right when you are able to approach these conversations from a position of curiosity i don't have to be right but i have to understand seek to understand before you're trying to be understood And when you do that, it helps to guide the conversation in a so much more productive way than we're having this conversation. I have my point. I need to make my point. I need to be right. So I'm not listening to what you're saying because I need to be right. Yeah. I mean, we've in this industry and I'm sure in others as well, you find yourself in meetings. There are a couple individuals that have to be the smartest person in the room. But if Mm -hmm. you, you know, if you come into the situation, like say with environmental, like, why can't I do this? That's probably not going to get you too far. If you go yeah. into the situation, like you say, what, what are your motivations? What's wrong with this from your perspective? What can, what can we do to make this work? That goes a long way. Yeah. It's like you're essentially coming into that conversation with, I want to understand your concerns so that we can figure out a way that those concerns can be addressed. Right. And it helps you, like I said, not just assume for yourself, oh, environmental does them like this and do that the rest of your 20-year career, but at least know who to call when, when you have a question about these things. Yeah, I yeah. remember specifically this issue, I better call Darren and work this out. Yeah, I think that is key. So, you know, obviously you've had this successful career at VDOT. What are some general success principles that you would like to cover or you think that would be great for our audience to be able to take home from this interview? We were talking about the initiatives that you have to take as an engineer associate to, to get the most out of the program, whether you're in a program or not. I hate to tell you, your parents are right. There's really no 
substitute for hard work because you're just going into a situation assuming people are going to do things for you. Yeah, you're there to be trained, but again, you take your own initiative to get the most that you can out of. Sometimes we are busy and we have other things to do. We're trying to include you in that, but getting that on-time feedback, asking good questions. Well, okay, you said settlement. What does that mean? You know, whatever the case may be, you're the biggest part of that. You can suck as much knowledge as you can out of these people and learn who to, who you want to work with and who you don't. I think that's also a big issue. You want to find maybe not a mentor, but at least someone that you could bounce ideas off of that's a little more open to share their knowledge. Sometimes managers, like you said, they move up from engineer and then they're working with people that they're concerned for their job and they're a little tighter with information, things like that. I try not to be that way. Use, use your good managers want to use as much of your talent as possible without overloading you. I probably go in the other direction. I probably expect a lot out of people until they prove me wrong. So I think people often live up to the expectations that we place on them. If we have low expectations, then they're not, they're going to meet the expectation that we put on them. Right. In that sense. That's why I like to err on the side of too high rather than low. But then do you need that feedback? Hey boss, this is not my gig. Well, I'm good at this other thing. But part of it is this open and honest discussion that you're able to have. And so if I were to recap that for young engineers that are coming through, do not be afraid to ask questions. Just as we are talking about the managers have to be empathetic and understanding the situation that the associate or the young engineer is in, it's also important for that young engineer to have some concept of what that manager may be going through and what they're doing, because having that may help you better engage as you develop in your career. So it just, it's just not from the top down that have to have that understanding, but also when you're coming up, you have to have the understanding of what's going on above you. Right. I, I don't really think there's anything off limits in, in a program like that or any new engineer in a new position. You're in a new position. It's understood you're here to be trained. And I've been here 20 years, but it's, that's not to say that I know everything, that things change in a large organization, policies change, even design methods that you probably had in school. We didn't have the mechanistic empirical payment design when I was in school. We didn't have LRSD. It's not just a sin oh, this kid should know everything coming out of school. We all went to different schools. We had different class, different professors, and things are done differently in each organization. So it's understood. Don't have any anxiety about asking questions. Hey, this is James, and I'm here to help you win at work and at home. Let's connect. You can use the link in the show notes to schedule a complimentary session. We're going to walk through the steps that it's going to take for you to start thriving so you can engineer your success and live the life that you love. Come on, sign up today. Yeah. So be prepared and be okay with asking those questions. A couple of things I wanted to get into next is that I understand that you are actually a published author. Can you tell the audience a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. I wrote a book about a baseball league that we have here in the Shenandoah Valley. It's called the Valley Baseball League. It's a summer league for college players. So when they're off of school, the ones who aren't drafted, they're again, 
taking their own initiative. They're getting on these summer baseball teams so the recruits can see them. They can get used to wooden bats like they'll have in the minors and the majors. And that's very short, just a few months in the summer, but it's been going on for, we've had over a hundred seasons. Oh, it's wow. a pretty historic. It is totally volunteer. All the teams now are 501c, they're nonprofit. And it's, uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a really great thing to have around you. So what piqued your interest in actually going to do the research? And because I imagine it, it, it took some time to get the research together and looking at old articles and other things, a piece of things. To it's a work in progress too, but I'd gone to VBL games with my friends from growing up here. And in about 2013, 14, I actually got divorced. I had a little more time on my hands and mm-hmm. felt like I needed some hobby. And my daughter was interested and yeah, I was trying to kind of give her some yes, what, homeschooling. This is how we used to put newspapers on microfiche. This is how you find things in a library. She was eight at the time. So just really start with that. And I had my own interests. Like I know from the eighties and that's it. I don't know how anything started or when this stadium was built or any of that. So we started looking some things up and it just became, I started because I'm an engineer, I started taking notes, I may have developed spreadsheets or two, and it just kind of snowballed. It got more and more interesting. It's like, wow, that's actually cool. There's way more information that we gathered in the first week than it's on their website. And it was wow. like, well, and originally it was, I'm sure someone's wrote a book about this. Let's go look it up. And then there weren't any. So we kind of did our own research and I don't think she found it as interesting as daddy did, but I kind of just ran with it. Oh, that is cool, man. I imagine that was a, a really good bonding experience for you and your daughter kind of going through that. Even if you got more out of the book and the research than she did, I imagine that was just good present time, just building your relationship. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we went to All-Star Game, not the All-Star, we went to the playoffs a couple of weeks ago. So oh, we cool. still go to games together all that. So it's, it's been pretty good. She got her picture in the book. When she was eight, she just liked to, to chase home run and foul balls. That, that's what it was about. And it's progressed from there. No, that is good, man. Any, did you, what were some interesting stories that you came across in the book in doing your research? Know, some things that it's weird. I've grown up in Harrisburg my whole life and things that I guess they happen one or two days in the summer. And I guess people remember them for a while and they become a legend. And then the next generation's never heard about it. But Hack Wilson, if you know who that is, he had, he had 190 RBIs for the Chicago Cubs in. Wow. 1934, everybody, if you're a baseball fan, you know who that is, because that's the record. It's probably never going to be broken. He actually played for an all-star team that traveled wow. and met to, that played in Harrisonburg at the old oh, wow. Harrisonburg High School field. So it was like, wow, that's cool. Just finding out there were perfect games thrown. Some of these you know, really exciting games that happened. There was a guy that hit five home runs in one game. There's a fight, so he hit, I think, the first three. And the pitcher was a little bit of a card. So he picked up the rosin bag and threw that as a pitch. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then he went on to hit two more. And it's like the major league record's four. It's five. That's ridiculous. Just weird things like that. No, that, that, that is pretty cool. I'm glad that you found an outlet. Just gathering that information and spending time with your daughter. And uh, providing additional information to the community at large. Because I'm quite sure... That as the baseball league and the people that were around started 
looking at what you were gathering in your book, that they were happy too to get the word out and to get more exposure. Yeah, I think the league was really happy to have someone put that kind of thing together, have that interest and provide a reference for their history, basically. Well, Chaz, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your schedule for this interview. Do you have any parting words for the podcast listeners? Not really. I think it's really cool. Yeah, I don't do a whole lot of podcasts since you and I started talking and started watching a few years. And it's really cool. I like it. I'm going to end this podcast episode like I end every episode. Many people know what to do. Fewer people know how to do it. And there's a select group of people that actually follow through, do it, and are living the life of their dreams. Chaz, I want to thank you for being part of that select few. And just thank you so much for your time on the podcast. No problem. Anytime. Thank you for listening to Engineer Your Success with Dr. James Bryant. Do me a favor and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player. Many people know what to do. Fewer people know how to do it and a small fraction of people actually do it. I believe that you can have success both in business and in life. And it's my passion to guide you on your path to engineering your success. Thanks.